I'm Dr. Gay Carlson, president of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, with another Screenside Chat for our ACAP members. For those of you who don't know, Screenside Chats are meant to share uh, important clinical information uh, from experts on key topics during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I'm hoping they'll be informative and comfortable and fill a niche, not addressed by materials otherwise available. The idea sort of harkened from the uh, Franklin Roosevelt fireside chats that got people through the Depression and World War II. So today's topic is how can we better address mental health disparities in the era of COVID-19. Like other illnesses, both chronic and infectious, COVID-19 has brought to the surface disparities in the burden of illness that members of racial and ethnic minorities face. These communities face illnesses not only at a larger rate, there's a double whammy because more people are affected and the prognoses are made worse by longstanding issues like access to less good quality healthcare, uh, educational attainment problems, um, payment disparities. So there's really a double whammy there. And we as physicians have an obligation. We, we play an integral role in reaching the goal of equality and healthcare treatment for all. And now we, of course, have to do this through the lens of COVID-19. We have to find ways of being more engaged in the fight against disparities. And of course, we're particularly focused on mental health disparities. I'm really pleased today that we were, um, that we're able to get Dr. Patrice Harris to talk to us about this important topic. In case you don't know, she's the 174th president of the American Medical Association and the first African-American woman to hold this position. And she's a child and adolescent psychiatrist. <laughs> from Atlanta. Yay! Yay! Um, well, that's really special to us. Um, as a private practicing physician, public health administrator, and patient advocate, Dr. Harris has been an active leader in organized medicine for her entire career. She's been on a the AMA Board of Trustees since 2011. I was going to say 1911. <laughs> I would have said, boy, would I like to know your doctor. <laughs> Okay, since 2011, including a term as chair, and she's been president of the AMA's Opioid Task Force since its inception in 2014. Beyond the AMA, Dr. Harris has held positions of leadership in the American Psychiatric Association, the Georgia Psychiatric Physicians Association, um, the Medical Association for Georgia, and the Big Cities Health Coalition. She's also a young professor uh, in the Emory Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences and clinical professor in Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the Morehouse School of Medicine. So thank you very much, Dr. Harris. We're thrilled to have you here. Thank you, Gay. I'm so excited uh, to be with you. And I love screenside chats. I really I love that title. Well, that, that was actually an inspiration. You ever wake up at four o'clock in the morning and solve all the world's problems? <laughs> well, yes, that was one of my 4, 4 a.m. solutions. So anyway, back, back to why you're here. Um, please explain to us what you see the uh, disparities as being and the implications they have on children in communities of color. Well, this is a very important topic. And as you noted, uh, COVID-19 has really exposed what I call pre-existing conditions on many levels, certainly as regards those who are dying from COVID-19, we see a disproportionate impact. Uh, we also see an elevation of the discussion 
around mental health. Uh, and that is, uh, I think, a good thing. Of course, you and I know, and most of the listeners here know that we've had an under-resourced and an under-supported mental health infrastructure for many years. And I believe um, that has been heightened even for children. And so now we have, again, health inequities uh, exposed and issues around mental health exposed and particularly around children. So um, we need to take this opportunity right now and do what we're doing today, talk about this. But really, um, what we need to do is make sure we have some actionable steps. Maybe not right now in the midst of this pandemic, but certainly afterwards. And let me just, and I really want to define the terms um, that we use. I think we all should be using at the AMA because health disparities are really just the differences in health outcomes between groups, right? So health disparities are the differences, and that's important. I think we also need to move the conversation to the health inequities. And let me just use the, read the definition we use at the AMA. So the health inequities are differences in the population um, regarding their health com outcomes that are systemic, avoidable, patterned, unjust, unnecessary, and actionable. And I think that's important. So I think we should talk about the um, health inequities because in that definition, it means we can do something. And, well, and that's I really good. Yeah, that, yes. that's what I really wanted to get to because, you know, we, we've got a lot of things, a lot of reasons that we rend our garments and tear our hair. Yes. But um, I, I'm, and I'm glad to, to, to know that there are actionable um, items. Before we get to those, um, we were chatting about this before. How can we help clinicians who don't necessarily feel connected to this issue? feel more connected, that this is not just somebody over there that needs to solve the problem. I think we all have a responsibility. Can you help us with that? Well, I think first by, by having conversations, uh, but I would even take it back to uh, what we do when we graduate from medical school, right, and take whatever oath uh, we take and really looking at the code of medical ethics, which really uh, talks about um, our obligation uh, to our patients and our obligation to address all the determinants of health, right? Because our patients come into our offices and they come with that chief complaint. We're used to that. But when you dig deep, there are so many determinants of that chief complaint. And so if we really want to help our patients, uh, we have to at least talk about those other determinants other than what we can do in the office. Now, here's one thing, and as psychiatrists, we're used to uh, exposing the elephants in the room. I know that it can sometimes be overwhelming, and I think that is the reason a lot of folks don't want to address this, because it's like, I can't, what can I do about that? But I think just talking about it and then making sure we have partners in place to address some of those needs. These, these other issues are not physicians alone to solve, but we can, working in partnerships, solve some of these issues. And when you say talk about it, you're, you're making it sound like it's a, it's a um, sort of a general thing to talk about. Is this something that you should, we should be talking about to the people that we're seeing, to our patients? So I think we should be asking the questions. And so that's important. We should talk about it on so many levels. So we should talk about it from an association level. Uh, again, ACAP, American Academy of Pediatrics, you know, American Medical Association. We should all uh, have um, the DNA of addressing health inequities embedded into our organization. You may know the AMA just established a couple of years ago the Center for Health Equity. 
And so our work, uh, and we will partner with all the members of the Federation, but our work will be to embed health equity into the DNA of our organization and model what other organizations should be doing and then partner uh, with other organizations. We want to teach systems how to address systemic bias. We want to teach clinicians how to address implicit bias. So, but, but on the individual level, um, I'll just give you this quick story. I trained at Emory here in Atlanta. We had a clinic, a resident clinic, and we had a 70% <clears throat> no-show rate. And I remember we were lamenting that we had a 70% no-show rate. Um, and then I sort of asked the question, it's going to ask the question, well, why aren't people coming? Transportation, childcare, ability to afford public transportation. So sometimes rather than just saying, our patients aren't showing up, we need to ask why, and then work with the partners about why. Again, we can't help patients who don't show up in our offices. Maybe this is a good time to, I was gonna say this to the end, but um, you'll be pleased to know actually that ACAP is planning a forum titled, Healthcare Disparities Through the Lens of Diversity During the COVID-19 Pandemic. And it's going to be, um, it's going to be multiply uh, contributed to by the Asian Black International Medical Graduate and uh, Latino Caucuses and the Native American Child Committee. Um, and the whole point of it is to discuss the uh, implications of healthcare disparities of disproportionately affecting communities of color. So um, this is being planned as we speak, and, and I'm really pleased that ACAP is uh, making this one of our priorities as well. That, that is very exciting. And, and you know, what I need to make sure we, we talk about this or at least get this on the, the table, Gay, because it's, it's, it's hard. But again, um, we don't shy away from hard things, right? I think part of the reason uh, people shy away from this issue is you, you have to also talk about some of the more structural, longstanding problems like racism, structural racism. And I think when people hear racism, you know, hairs on the back of the neck and, and all, we're not really, we, you know, there certainly is personal bias, but really we are talking about structural bias and, and racism that has occurred over decades. And so as we have these conversations, we have to be able to talk about that. And that, that no question is tough. Uh, but again, as psychiatrists in particular, we are used to having tough conversations. So in terms of the, oh, before I get on to the actionable items, I wanted you to plug your uh, website. So how do people access, because I know you've got a lot of important um, resources on that website. Um, give us what people should put into their browsers. Well, just American Medical Association, they can just Google that, but it's ama-assn.org. And then if they're interested, by the way, in COVID resources after the forward slash uh, it's COVID-19. And then under that, actually, we have a lot of resources on inequities and uh, the work of our Center for Health Equity. So they can just go to our website and we have a plethora of information and certainly some information specific uh, to health inequities. And, and of course, you know, we need to also appreciate, again, for, for the child psychiatry audience is the number of um, suicides uh, that have been increasing in children overall over the, the last uh, 10 years. And African-American uh, children in particular. Even more. And that is something. And, you know, we have to address that. Uh, I will say 
particularly people like me, African-American uh, psychiatrists, um, we have to address the stigma in our own community. So there are so many issues to address, but uh, we also have to think about access to care and um, access to uh, affordable, meaningful insurance coverage. So these are all the pieces. I, I guess I'm getting to the actions, but these are yeah, all so the pieces. Yeah, so let's hear about the, the actionable puzzle. items. Well, so again, advocacy on a broad level. And of course, I know uh, you all do this at, at ACAP and we, we advocate at the federal level. It has to happen at the state level. Um, regarding Medicaid, I see my personal practice, a lot of children who are in the foster care system. And so they have Medicaid. And we have to advocate to make sure that um, trauma coverage, therapy for, for trauma is covered. Uh, you know, and that there is a workforce, uh, you know, for those who have experience working with children uh, who have experienced trauma. I, I care a lot about ACEs, as I know everyone at ACAP does. And so that's advocacy we can do, again, at the federal level, the state level, at the individual level. Again, I am a big proponent of getting engaged. We can advocate with our own elected officials. You know, physicians have the best stories to tell. We are certainly not talking about patients by name, but we can talk about the patients that we are seeing and their unmet needs and then advocate uh, for those patients. We can also, again, talk to our patients about uh, their unmet needs and work in communities to uh, think about food insecurity, think about housing, transportation, all, all of these other needs. And we can work with our pediatricians, right, our pediatrician colleagues uh, to figure out how we can better coordinate our efforts to make sure uh, mental health needs uh, are met for our children and adolescents. Well, I think our, what I've been reading about with our pediatricians and primary care specialties is they're really suffering during the uh, this COVID period. So it's really affecting so many different things. Um, I will say they are suffering, you know, one great thing, uh, Dr. Sally Goza, who's president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, is a physician here in Georgia. And so she and I have been communicating and I, you know, uh, this is what we need to do because pediatricians will need us, right? We'll, we'll need to develop, in my opinion, consultation relationships with pediatricians so that they can have that support when we get on the other side uh, of this pandemic. Well, that, that's certainly been a, an, I think that's a liaison that's really become much healthier over the last several years. Um, I guess I'm was just reading in the paper, though, about how many of the practices are suffering. And I don't know, but maybe this is just, you know, saber rattling, but I'm, I'm hoping that they'll still be in practice after all this is said and done. Um, what words of wisdom would you give to our graduating um, our, our graduating medical school, medical students, our graduating residents, our graduating fellows in child and adolescent psychiatry on this topic? Well, uh, a couple of things. Uh, you, earlier, I talked about the need to be curious, ask questions, ask why. Again, um, what uh, makes it hard for you to come to your appointment? So I, I always tell our graduates to always be curious, have a spirit of lifelong learning. Um, I encourage our graduates to um, be their authentic selves, uh, you know, be true to their values and their beliefs and take that uh, with them to their 
professional lives, uh, but also uh, their uh, personal lives. Right now, actually, I am giving, uh, given a commencement speech next week, and I'll give a little preview, but I, there's no question, and I don't think we should sugarcoat what we're going through now. This, this is not great. This is a challenge, and I always tell everyone to embrace the yuck. Uh, you know, and if ever there was a, a yuck time, I used to use another word, but I've tried to be a little bit. Uh, yes, more right. Okay. Fine. I understand. Okay. So, but I do tell them to embrace the yuck. And, and certainly that's always, but we are going through a yucky time right now. But you know what? Here's an opportunity to learn something new, to learn about ourselves, learn about our families, maybe even an opportunity to learn what's important. And again, um, you and I and most of the listeners on this have been talking about the importance of mental health for years now. Everybody sees it. Uh, we've been talking about health inequities for years, and now people see it. And so I, I would say take this time again to, to learn about themselves and others and embrace this uh, bump in the road, this part of their journey. I know so many of my twists and turns in my personal journey, um, I learned from them. And that's, that's uh, the, the advice that I would give our young colleagues. And uh, teach us, right? I really think intergenerational learning is so critical. No generation has the market cornered on wisdom. And I think we should all use this as an opportunity to learn from one another. Let me just ask you something, because you said something that um, I'm, I say frequently to my trainees, you know, we're nice people, people that go into child psychiatry and maybe even people that go into medicine. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to, we certainly don't intentionally want to step in yuck. But I find sometimes that the trainees don't want to ask the most obvious questions. I'll give you a, a fast vignette. Years ago, um, we were doing a mock boards exam and a young woman came in who was emaciated. I mean, if she stood sideways, she disappeared. She clearly had something wrong, okay? And given the fact that she was in a mental hospital, it was not some sort of parasitic illness. The trainee, the resident, went, went through all the things that he needed to go through, never asked her, about how skinny she was. And I said at the end, you didn't ask her about the fact that she was so thin that she looked like she was going to disappear. Why, why didn't you do that? And he said, well, it would have been embarrassing. Well, you know, this is not a cocktail party. Maybe you might not say that at a cocktail party. The woman is in your office. You're a doctor. You're supposed to ask questions like that. I think people sometimes, in an effort to be, to seem like they're non-judgmental or unbiased, or I, I, I'm not sure. I, I know the motivations come from a good place. They don't want to ask questions that might be that might hurt somebody's feelings. What would you say to that? I would say that is the most important thing to remember. You know, our patients are coming to us for a reason, right? And and we know that as physicians in particular as psychiatrists, we ask very intimate details of a person's life. And that is absolutely okay. And, and you, people are coming to you for a reason. So I would tell the trainees not to be afraid of asking the question. Certainly there's a way uh, to do that. It's, and, and it's not just sort of a checklist. checklist. I see you're emaciated and almost looking away or I'm 
pay, not paying attention, but looking at the person and say, look, you know, I see that you uh, appears that you've lost weight or whatever the observation is. Help me understand what's going on. That's that's my favorite uh, phrase is help me understand uh, what's going on. I want to understand. And if you're ready to talk about it, fine. If not, um, let me know when you're ready to talk about it. I think oftentimes that is a relief for patients. Here's somebody who is not afraid to ask me what's really going on in my life. And that's the same thing in asking about food insecurity. I mean, there's a different, um, or transportation, or did you have a hard time getting here? Why are you late chronically for your appointments? We have to be okay with asking those questions. Well, I think that's a really nice note to, to lend on. It's a very practical thing. It's a an enabling thing. Um, and uh, um, it, it gives us permission to do the sort of logical thing, but in, in our efforts to Think, do what we think may be being politically correct. We're, we're not doing what we need to be able to do as physicians. Absolutely. I, I so, so agree. Thank you very much. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I um, am extremely proud of the fact that you're a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and I'm sure you're very proud of the fact that you're the first African-American woman child psychiatrist to be president of the AMA. So, yes. Right. <laughs> I absolutely am, yes. Thank you again for staying with us for Screenside Chats. Tune in for future Screenside Chats. We have other important topics to talk about. And I'm not gonna say stay socially distanced. We need to be socially together. We need to be physically distant. So thank you again. Thank you all very much for tuning in. This is Gay Carlson for ACAP's Screenside Chats. <laughs>